1. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 1. If you uh, have a red letter edition, it's right around where the le- red letters start. So, uh, Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> Not in the book of Joshua. But we're talking about another Joshua. Matthew chapter 1. And let me just... Let me uh, let me pray for us as we start. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we recognize that um, that this book that you have left to us is a holy book. That you had holy people who were inspired by you to write it, and not only did they put it down, but you preserved it through generations and generations and sometimes thousands of years that it might come down to us so that we can know more about you. And Lord, we, we also recognize that um, though this, is, this book is holy and it's something that you've given to us that you are so much greater even than your word, your, your Bible, that you sent to us the living word, Jesus, who is a picture of you. Lord, let it be that we um, know more about you somehow today, that we, uh, that we somehow shape our lives to look more like you, that where, wherever we need to be convicted, Lord, convict us. Where we need to be encouraged, encourage us. Where we need a swift kick just to get going, Lord, give us that kick. Whatever it is that we have come today that we need, Lord, somehow give that to us by your Spirit. I humbly ask that you use me. In Jesus' name, amen. So let me start out by by reading part of this to you here. Starting in verse 1. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab the father of Nashon. Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. Joram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon, Amon, the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah and his brothers. 
at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel, Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Abihad, 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 the father of Eliakim, Eliakim, the father of Azor, Azor was the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Kim, and Achim, the father of Eliad, Eliad was the father of Eleazar, Eleazar, the father of Matan, Matan, the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. Scripture's one of the most exciting... Excuse me, my mic just decided to jump off. Scripture is one of the most exciting books you can ever read. And this is how the New Testament starts. Isn't it exciting? Like any good novel, it starts out and just takes you and grips you and holds you to the page. Now, Consider this. Listen, names are not all that bad. We each have one, right? Consider, if you look at this in the Greek, and whoever actually did all this has more time on their hands that, than uh, I know of, and I'm grateful they did. In this passage, the number of words is evenly divisible by seven. The number of words beginning with a vowel is divisible by seven. The number of words beginning with a consonant is divisible by seven. The number of words, divi- uh, the number of letters is divisible by seven. The number of vowels is divisible by seven. The number of consonants is divisible by seven. The number of words that occur more than one time is divisible by seven. The number of words that occur one time is divisible by seven. The number of nouns is divisible by seven. The number of non-nouns is divisible by seven. The number of proper names is divisible by seven. The number of words beginning with each letter of the alphabet is divisible by seven. And if you've, in Greek, each letter has a numerical value. If you add up all the letters of this passage, you guessed it, they're all divisible by seven. Only a God who is intricately involved in putting this together from the foundations of the world can do something like that. You know, as we look at some of these names, each name has a story. And names are important. We, we think about um, names as being a part of a list. I don't know if you've ever looked for your name on a list before. Maybe it was, you know, running for office or you've been signed up for a sweepstakes. Or I know I look for my name on a list many times at school. You know, you're looking for your name and trying to find out what grade that you had. And it can be very good to find your name to say, hey, you won. And even beyond that, our names are important. 
Because each one of us has a story to tell. There's something behind our names. For example, we see that Jesse was the father of David, the king. Jesse happened to have eight sons, the youngest son being a young shepherd boy by the name of David. Jesse had a really more interesting grandmother, though, even. And there's several women uh, in this passage says that um, Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. If you remember Ruth from the scripture, anybody, has anybody read the book of Ruth? I live with a Ruth. So Ruth was a Moabitess. I don't know if you know about the Moabites. The Moabites came about because of an incestual relationship between Lot and his daughters. They were one of the groups that, that the Israelites were not supposed to get together with. They're not supposed to marry them. They're not supposed to intermingle with them. The Moabites, they, they were not supposed to be around the Moabites. But there was a famine in Bethlehem, and so uh, Ruth and Elimelech, or I'm sorry, uh, not Ruth, Boaz and... Um, Naomi, thank you. Uh, they, they go, not Boaz, Elimelech and Naomi. Boy, I am getting it mixed up this morning. Thank you, Karis. Um, they go down from Bethlehem to uh, sojourn in the land of the Moabites. And their two sons, what do they do? They take Moabite women. Not a good thing to do. Okay, they're going against the word of God to do it. They take these, these women as their wives, and then both sons die. And Elimelech dies, the father. So Naomi says to her, da- her, her daughters-in-law, said, look, I'm not going to have any more sons. Go back to your parents. And Ruth says, not me. She says, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I'll live. Where, I, where you die, I'll die. Your God will be my God. And nothing but death will separate the two of us. And she made a statement of faith and went with Naomi. Now, you may remember the story. In those days, what, what was supposed to happen is the lineage was passed down. And if, someone, if the husband died, right, they were supposed to have someone else come along. It's called the Leverite marriage custom. Someone else, a brother or somebody, was supposed to come along and have children by that with that woman, so that the the son would bear the name, and it was a, a, a way for the lineage to be passed down, so that the land would stay in, in the in the family, and so that they would have a an inheritance um, still in that family, even if um, uh, someone died. For um, it, it'd be kind of like this, Ruth. Ruth has two brothers, okay? Uh, one is Jonathan and one is Joshua. And if, jo- if Jonathan <coughs> were married and didn't have any kids and Jonathan died, 
then his wife and Joshua were supposed to get together so that they would have kids for Jonathan to have his name and that that line would, would, would pass on down. So this is what happens with Ruth when she gets um, hooked up with Boaz. So that, that line uh, would, would continue on down even though she was a Moabite. Even though she was one that, they were, that the Israelites were not supposed to be with. But because of her statement of faith and because she went, God has her in the line of Jesus, the Messiah. But if you want to go back just a little bit, a little bit further, um, uh, Boaz says that, uh, I knew it was right there in that same verse, and I just couldn't put my eyes on it. Samuel was the father of Boaz by Rahab. We, we looked at Rahab just recently, didn't we? Everybody remember? Rahab's a harlot. Rahab is, is, was a harlot in Jericho. The, the, the city that the Israelites were supposed to destroy completely because they were evil. And God didn't want the people of Israel to be, um, be influenced by the evil in Jericho. So he said destroy them completely. But Rahab, Rahab said no. I want to be part of Israel. I will take on um, being in Israel and I will follow after your God. Just spare me and my family. In other words, let me live that I might continue to have a lineage. So you've got a harlot who is part of a bad, terrible people who finds herself now in the lineage of King David and ultimately of Jesus. Let's go back even one one further than that. Judah was the father of Perez, and this is verse 3, Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Another another lady in there. Do you remember this the story? This is an interesting place because it's just in in Genesis, it's tossed in there. You know, there's a story going on, and then all of a sudden there's this toss in there of Judah and Tamar. Like, why, why, why is this story just tossed in the middle of everything in Genesis? That doesn't make any sense. Until you realize that God had a plan. And he wanted to make sure and get this story in there because he was wanting to get his seed, his Messiah, his Christ, his son into the world. What happened with Judah? Judah had, had a son, had several sons. The, the first one, um, Tamar, was his wife. And it said he was, he was evil in the Lord's eyes. They didn't have a son. God killed uh, Judah's first son. The second son was supposed to, like with Ruth, was supposed to have um, children by Tamar. But he didn't like that idea, so he refused to do it. And it said God took him too. Now Judah had another son that he really, he didn't want to die. So he said, you know what, let's, let's hold off. Don't, you, he, he's not old enough 
for to be married to you yet tomorrow, so let's hold off. But then he never fulfilled it. He never let them get together. So Tamar had gone off to live with her family, and she realized that Judah didn't, didn't uh, fulfill his promise. So when she knew that Judah was coming into town, because it was the time to, to shear the sheep, she put on a harlot's outfit and seduced Judah to come into her and became pregnant with Judah's sons. Does that sound like a really great, you know, happy, um, encouraging, you know, righteous story? But when it was found out that she was pregnant, Judah wanted to have her burned at the stake and or, or burned and killed, and and she uh, she had taken as a pledge Judah's staff and signet ring and said, "It's these guys. Whoever ha- owns these is the is the dad." And Judah said, "You're more righteous than I am because I didn't give my son to you." And one of her these sons, these twins, became. Uh, one man in the line of Jesus, the Messiah. But ultimately, where Matthew has this lineage going back to, where he traces it back, and ultimately you can trace it back to Adam, but Matthew takes it to Abraham. Father Abraham. You might know Abraham as the father of faith. Anybody, any of you guys seen that in, uh, in, in Sunday school? Father Abraham had many sons. I'm glad it wasn't the only one. And many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them. Yes. So let's just praise. All right. <laughs> Abraham being the father of faith. Well, do you remember what happened with Abraham? Abraham was given a promise. Uh, he, was, he was promised children when he was 75 and his wife Sarah was 65. Now, some of you guys in here are approaching that age. I don't know how you would feel, and some of you ladies who are approaching the age that Sarah was, how would you feel when, if God were to come to you and say, hey, I'm going to give you some kids? You probably you might even just go, <laughs> uh, thanks, but no thanks, Lord. I, I know that, uh, yeah, that maybe, that, maybe to you that's not a blessing. But to Abraham, he needed a, he needed a line. He needed someone to, to um, carry on his, his, uh, his lineage. He needed someone to pass his stuff to. He needed, he needed someone that he could have as a descendant. He didn't have one. And if you remember, he was, he was so desperate. He went to his wife's maid. Actually, his wife said, Hey, Abram, I want you to have uh, my maid so that you can have kids with her. Now, to us, that sounds really, really weird. If you had, if you had uh, you know, somebody working in your house and, and your wife comes and says, hey, you know what? Why don't you take her and you all got some kids? We'd go, what? But that was the custom, okay? It wasn't, 
uh, to us it sounds really, really foreign, but to them, you know, it's a way that you can have your your um, line passed down. It's a way to have a kid when you couldn't have a kid. And we call Abraham the father of faith. And it was another 15 years, actually 25 years, I'm sorry. Uh, Abraham was 100 and Sarah, his wife, 90. 90 years old, having a kid. Anybody want to volunteer for that? But it was all about faith. God told Abraham, you're going to be the father of nations. And Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And because of faith, God gave him a descendant. He gave him a line. Now, by by the way, we we think of Abraham, and I know the Jews all go back to Father Abraham, and but remember, Abraham was not a Jew. That might come as a shock. Abraham was a Chaldean, and more than likely, his father Terah was an idol worshiper. More, not more than just more than likely, Terah was an idol worshiper. It says it. More than likely, Abraham before he met God. Don't know, but it looks like. There was some idol worship there. And yet God chose Abraham. Now when you look at this and you realize that in God's wisdom and in his providence and in his uh, ordering of everything through the ages, he put all of this together for the line of his son. There's a few things that we definitely need to take from it. Number one, he's got some pretty messed up characters. But by faith, because each one of them acted in faith, right? Judah and Tamar, Tamar acted in faith and did something that we would go, that was really crazy. But she acted in faith to, to get pregnant to have that line keep on going. Rahab, uh, who was a harlot, acted in faith to follow after the God of the Israelites. Right? Um, Ruth acted in faith to go with, um, uh, with Naomi. She acted in faith taking on her God and acted in faith she even, to go and, and kind of propose to Boaz. She acted in faith, and God blessed all of these actions in faith and what they believed in their heart. And so as we look at our own lives, we might go, wow, I've got some messed up stuff in my life. can, Can God use me? Yes. He takes a lot of the mess that we have. And he turns it into something beautiful. Because each one of these, you can look and you can say, boy, that was a mess they were in. But God took them out of that mess. And because of their faith, God put the, chose. I, 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 I want 
Get this in your hearts, please. This is God's lineage. Jesus is God, right? This is what God chose to have as his own lineage for his own son. I'm going to put these characters in Scripture. And not only am I going to put them in there, I'm going to make sure you know about them. So ultimately, it comes down to us. And you know, for each one of these, the action in faith was to preserve a line. It was to preserve an inheritance. It was to preserve the family genes, to pass that down. And that's why this is in this um, in the genealogy right here is because it's, it's tracing that line back from one person to the next, to the next, to the next, to show this is from Abraham all the way down to David, all the way down to Joseph, all the way down to Jesus, the Messiah. It's tracing the line back. And for us, our line is much more spiritual. Do we have a physical line? I got my four right over here. And I'll tell you, tell you a secret. Eventually I'll have four boys to go along with it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. Oh boy. Uh-huh. But we have a physical line, but really what, what for us is even the more important is our spiritual line, our spiritual heritage, our spiritual descendants. And what I want us to find out today is how are we acting in faith to preserve our line? To make sure that our line keeps going. To make sure that, that we, we have that promised child in faith. Not physically, although you might have some of those too. But that promised child in faith that you can, um, you can have that spiritual son or that spiritual daughter and make sure that the line keeps going. Because that's what this is all about. It's about preserving so that we can inherit. We have an inheritance out there from the Lord. And the way we inherit is by, is by having more kids. Just like with Israel. Okay, this isn't a new concept. Israel, it happened with Israel. Right? There's a reason God said that he would give Abraham as the father of many nations. It wasn't just the one nation. It was so that all the peoples of the whole world would be blessed by him. Because it's always been a, it's always been a spiritual journey. And that's where we pick it up. So as we look at our own lives... You know, there can be a, uh, a tendency for us to look and say, no, I'm disqualified. I'm disqualified because I did this or because I didn't do that or because I, uh, I, I used to be in this. Or I, and what I want 
I want to make sure you know today is, it, is God will use all of your mess if you let him. It doesn't matter what mess it was in, that it was. If you'll let him, if you will be like Abraham and make that statement of faith and, and put that faith into action, like, like Abraham, like Ruth, like Tamar, like... Um, uh, uh, if you put that faith into action, a lot of it's just a, it's a heart. The, the action can be, I believe in my heart, and I'm willing to put, and, you know, whatever God says, I'm willing to obey. But you take that faith and you say, I'm going to make my, the Lord Jesus, my Lord. He can change you and he can make it so that he will use you for greater purpose. You know, could it be that generations from now they will look back and say, here's my lineage of faith. There's not going to be another genealogy like this where you've got the Messiah in the line, but do you think these people knew? Hey, someday God's going to come through my great, 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 kid. But maybe God has put you here for just such a time as this. That you will touch the one person that will touch the one person, that will touch the one person that will change the world forever. You know, there may be some um, either watching online or some that the first step is to make sure you know Jesus. Because none of this really matters unless that you take the first step of faith. You can't have spiritual kids unless you are a spiritual kid yourself. You can't have a lineage of um, spiritual sons and daughters, which I hope we all have, unless you become a son or a daughter yourself. And just like Abraham a son, a daughter of faith. So what we're going to see is it all, for Abraham, it was, I, he believed God. There, there wasn't a lot of, there was some action there, but there wasn't a lot. It was just, I believe God. And God said, you're righteous. It comes down to, do you believe in the promised son? Abraham believed that God would give him a son. He believed in the promise. Do you believe in the promised son? Of course, the promised son I'm talking about is Jesus. Do you put your trust in Jesus? And if you do, then you can be a child, a daughter of the Most High. And that's the first step. If you need help with that, please talk to me. Talk to Pastor Kevin or... Talk to Steve. 
either here or, or um, somebody watching on the computer, you know, please don't don't let today go by when you if you don't know. For those of you who do know, let's consider the future. This is about preparation. This is about God preparing a place in a people so that his son can come into the world. This is about that he put everything together and worked it all for, for um, well over a thousand years so that his son could come into the world. What's he planning on doing with us? So that hundreds of years from now, they will look back and they'll say, you know what? I've got this dad. I've got this grandmother. And they instilled in me. So I'd like us to really start considering. I'm not going to give answers more today, but I want us to all consider in our hearts how is God preparing us as a people? I believe this next year is going to be a year of preparation. Preparing our hearts, preparing our, our, our lives, preparing so that we will enter into the harvest that God has for us. A year of, of preparation in, in many, many ways. But it starts by asking ourselves, what is, how is God preparing us? And thinking multi-generationally down, what's God doing with me, with us today, that generations from now they're going to look back and call, me, call us blessed? How can you be the person to instill into someone else. I, I love the story that Lynn told just a little while ago. Just finding someone. I'm going to bless this person. I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to, I'm going to give them a Thanksgiving meal. I'm going to tell them that God loves them. And who knows if, if that person will, will um, become a, a mighty uh, man of God. Who knows if the next Billy Graham comes in the door and and I, I seem to remember the story of Billy Graham. He didn't really want to be there as much. And somebody took him by the hand and got him up there and got him in the right place so he could hear. And he heard the word of the Lord and he responded. Now, if you were that person that took Billy Graham to church, you never know. But it's listening and it's being open for that one thing to impact even one person for the gospel and for life. How can we do that this week? How can we do that next year? Just one. If you can do more than one, that's great. But how can you impact at least one person for the gospel in this next year. You can pour into them. You can bring them to the Lord. You can bring them to church. You can, um, you can say, you know what, I'm going to mentor. You know, some of you older guys in here would be great to say, I'm going to mentor. I'm going to, I'm going to get one son to mentor. Or some of you ladies might say, I'm going to get one daughter to mentor. And I'm going to pour myself into this person. 
I'm going to replicate myself as best as I can. Maybe you're younger and you say, well, you know what, I'm not going to mentor anybody yet. That's okay. You're going to bring somebody along. I'm going to find a mentor and I'm going to bring somebody with me. They may, they may be kicking and screaming. I'm going to drag them anyway. It's all right. What can you do to impact one person this next year? Be praying about that. And if we all, if we all have that prayer, I bet that God, that's a prayer that God wants to answer. So with that, let's pray. Lord, we want to be in the line, the spiritual line of your greatness. We know that we have Jesus ultimately as the, the one who started the spiritual line. But we want to be one of those that generations from now they will say, you know what? I can trace it back to Lynn told me told my great great granddad about God about Jesus because he was sitting in a doorway. Lord, we want to be those people. Show us how we can be. Lord, for those of us who are fathers, spiritual fathers, bring us kids. Bring us kids that, that we can mentor. Bring us, bring us sons that we can be a father of sons in the spirit. As well for the mothers here, you may not be a you may not be a mom physically, or you might be. But Lord, bring our 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 mothers in the faith, daughters. Bring our mothers in the faith, daughters that they can pour into. Lord, bring people into this church that we can impact from every walk of life. Lord, send us to Rahab's. Send us to Tamar's. Send us to Ruth's. Lord, send us those who will just say, I'm going to go. Lord, we'll take them. Lord, we humbly ask, say, as Isaiah did, here we are, Lord, use us. Lord, I ask for ideas. I pray that you will put ideas in the hearts of every person here or watching, listening online. Give us ideas of ways that we can impact this generation for your kingdom. Ways that we can grab one person and make sure they're going with us. Give us ideas and bring those people along.
Lord, more than anything, we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you that we have this line that we can look at that you gave to us and gave us Jesus. It's his name we pray. Amen.